from now on, let no one make troubles for me. This is the line that St. Paul offers us in the second reading today. And isn't that a nice thought? He qualifies it with the statement that now he bears the marks of Jesus in his body. And that's why no one should cause him trouble. Now, many scholars believe that this is St. Paul telling us that he is experiencing, as the first person in history, the stigmata, the marks of Christ from the crucifixion on his body. But either way, basically, Paul just says, please, I am done with problems. Let no one else create problems for me. Well, he has an expectation, but I'm not really sure how realistic that expectation is because it sounds very similar to how we would all like to act as Christians. We all just want to show up on Sunday to church, say we believe in Jesus, act like we don't believe in him the rest of the week, and then still live a life that is problem-free. Because we are Christians, so Jesus needs to make everything smooth seas for me. But many of us, real people, who don't live in a fake reality, have found that even though we follow Jesus, we still seem to have these problems, these troubles, as it were. Now, Paul says that he doesn't want any more troubles from other people, but the fact is that sometimes it's not other people who create the problems for us, but we ourselves who create the problems. But we know with each day brings its own joys and sufferings. Even if we try to retreat from life, the world continues and the problems do too. We have this expectation that because we are Christian, we shouldn't deal with any more troubles. But the reality is that trouble still finds us. The arrival of a new priest, for example, brings many challenges, sadnesses, and disappointments. <laughs> the challenges of having to learn a completely different personality. Now, I will say, Father Chris and I are of the same ordination class, but I am almost a decade older than him. So, we're very different. <laughs> the sadness you experience of no longer having Father Chris, whom you've grown to love. The disappointments that I don't do things the same way, or that maybe I don't do them the way you like them done. All of these situations were forced upon you by the decision of someone else in the diocese. So it is impossible for you to echo the words of St. Paul, because your own bishop is the creator of this plan, which has a certain amount of troubles for you. <laughs> now let me be very clear. I am not like any priest you have ever met. <laughs> but that is not me being cocky. That is me recognizing that in God's wonderful supreme knowledge, he has made each and every one of us beautifully distinct and different than everyone else in the world. So when I tell you I am unlike any other priest you have ever met, I do so recognizing that you are all different parishioners than I have ever met. And to say that you are the same, or I don't like the way you guys do something because, well, it's not my way, that would be unfair for me to level upon you. Just the same, I would hope you would not expect me to be like anyone else or do things like anyone else does them, because I am me, not them. Now, speaking of major disappointments, let's turn to the gospel. <laughs> if you didn't already realize this, people that interact with Jesus in the gospel respond to him in one of two ways. 
They either love him or they try and kill him. Spoilers, they do kill him. But they kill him because they were dis disappointed. The Jewish people expected the Messiah to be one thing. They expected a warrior king Messiah who would come wielding the sword and vengeance. And they were very disappointed when he came and healed the sick and cast out demons and converted people to truly love God instead of just following the rules. Now, arguably, the plan of Jesus was way better, but they expected something different. And so when he didn't meet their expectations, they killed him. But what about the apostles, the 72 he sends out today? First, we need some context, okay? Because if you don't understand what the scriptures are trying to tell you, then we will not get the point of what God is trying to reveal in your life. So why is it important? Why does the gospel make mention of the exact number of disciples that Jesus sends out? Well, I'm glad you asked. One of the prophecies about the Messiah that the Jewish people expected is that he will be the new Moses, meaning Jesus is always going to have to do not only what Moses did, but he must do it better to be the Messiah. Now, Moses in the Old Testament needed help, and so, under the guidance of the Lord, he elected 70 other elders, and they were all to meet in the tent of meeting. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, except there were two men outside of the tent, not elected, who also got the Spirit of the Lord. And rather than rejoicing, the servant of Moses rats them out. And he says, uh, you better tell them to stop. They got that Spirit of the Lord, but they are not in the tent. And what does Moses do? He says, how dare you? If the Lord has chosen them, then they are chosen, right? The youth who served Moses had an expectation, and he was disappointed when Moses did not live up to that expectation. But arguably, Moses' plan was better. So we go back to the gospel, and we see that Jesus elects 72 people to go out and share the message, to share the gospel. And what message does he give them? He gives them a miraculous mission. He tells them to do the things that he does and to show that there is something powerful contained in that message. And what happens? They come home joyful because of how well they are able to accomplish the Lord's mission. Except they're excited because they have power over the demons. They pray for things and it happens. And Jesus reminds them, this is not the end goal. You are only doing things now, but these things will end. Think of the afterlife. They rejoice over the power of heaven. I'm sorry, over the power of earth. And he shows them how to have power for eternity. So I have spent much time telling you not to be disappointed because of what I am not. So now let me tell you some of the things I am. First and foremost... I am a broken and sinful man in desperate need of a savior. I am a recovering alcoholic, a divorced man, the father of an aborted child, and I am someone who tries to passionately love the Lord every day, but often fails. I am someone who will try and treat you with love and respect, but also who still wakes up on the wrong side of the bed occasionally. I am someone who loves to challenge himself mentally as well as physically, and I hope that I challenge you all. In ways that you grow in spiritual health, of course, 
but also, and no less importantly, I hope that because of me, you grow in your physical, mental, and emotional lives as well. For we are integrated beings that cannot compartmentalize our lives if we wish to be who God made us to be. So, back to me. I am one of the most laid-back perfectionists you will ever meet. Sometimes I could not care less how things go, and other times I want them done perfectly. I am an all-or-nothing person. I am 100% in, or I am bothered to the core that I even have to show up. <laughs> you may notice I wear short sleeves and sandals, and you can see many of my tattoos. And so I would like to talk about one today because it is specifically mentioned in the Gospel. Now, on my forearm over yonder, this tattoo right here, it's hard for you to see, covered in hair, and that's also a lot of dark colors. But anyway, there is a lamb wearing a dead wolf as a helmet. And that is from Mark. I forget the verse, but it's like 1715. But it says this, and it said this in our gospel today. I send you out like sheep among wolves, which sounds like it might be an unfair fight. But the very next passage in Mark clarifies this statement. Because the Lord directs us to be as shrewd as serpents and simple as doves. Meaning, I believe the Lord wants us to be meek and humble of heart, yes. But he does not want Catholic doormats. He does not expect us to be taken advantage of because we follow the gospel. In that vein, let me say this to you clearly and in love. I am not here to be your friend. That is not my job. That being said, if you feel that I am telling you I don't want to be your friend, you're mishearing me. My job is to be your shepherd, not your friend. If you also like me as a person, great. But if not, I will not be bothered by that, as long as I know that I am furthering your soul to heaven. Now, that being said... If you feel I am wrong in my theology, have proclaimed something in heresy, or just generally don't like me, I welcome you to come to my office and just talk to me. Because a lot of times we can get over misunderstandings through the simple medium of conversation. And if we cannot settle the issue with words, let me say this to anyone over the age of 18. I will let you pick the physical challenge and compete against me. Because here's one of the annoying things I know about me as a 36-year-old. I'm usually annoyingly right. Like, if I have brought something to you in a homily, it's because I vetted it. I have the papal documents to back me up. I have the research in my chasuble to go, whoops, right here, if you doubt me. But if for whatever reason that's not enough and you want some sort of moral, physical victory over me, then I will say this challenge goes to anyone. I will compete on your field of choice. I will do the thing you want to do, up to and including non-lethal combat. For six years, I have trained jujitsu and Muay Thai, and I will get into a boxing ring with you if you don't like me. <laughs> and I'm very serious about this. I'm not kidding. If we cannot solve it with words, great, let's duke it out. Because even though you're still going to be theologically wrong, you might just feel better about yourself if you get to punch me in the face. 
So that being said, it's not limited to physical altercation. <laughs> I'm a CrossFitter, I'm a trail runner. Let's do a 10 mile uh, trail run, see who wins. Let's do a submersion in ice bath the longest. Let's see who wins. Like honestly, pick anything and challenge me. Bring it. <laughs> but honestly, I look forward to this new assignment and getting to know you and your families and being able to be present for the very best sacramental moments of your life, as well as the most terrifying and heartbreaking ones. I look forward to serving you like every other priest you have ever known that passionately wants to serve the Lord with his life and wants parishioners who also want to be saints. We can all have preconceived notions of my time here and what we may want it to be, but I think the readings today show clearly if we are open to whatever God has in store for us, together we will be amazed at what he is going to do with and through us.